0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Strange and Interesting Podcast, a podcast about folklore, the paranormal, urban legends, and pretty much anything else that I happen to find strange and interesting. I am your host, Al. As the year draws to a close, there are many beloved traditions used to mark the holiday season. Some of these traditions are widely known. Well, others are more obscure. Popular customs include putting up colorful lights, decorating a Christmas tree, leaving out cookies for Santa Claus, exchanging gifts, singing Christmas carols, tales of a horned demon that stuffs naughty kids into a sack and beats them with a branch, hanging a stocking for St. Nick, and... Wait a second... One of those things was not like the others. Did I get my script messed up? Uh, Let me review my intro, Just, just a sec. Let's see, a demon that terrorizes children, uh, yeah, that's what it says. What the heck does that have to do with Christmas? Oh yeah, that's right, today we're talking about Krampus. For centuries, festivals incorporating Krampus were limited to European countries bordering the Alps. Activities involving Krampus were common in Austria, Germany, Switzerland, and Northern Italy. That began to change with the proliferation of horror films and other media that wished to explore the dark side of Christmas lore. And soon... Krampus became known to the rest of the world. The origins of Krampus are murky. His name is believed to come from either the German word for claw or a Bavarian word that could mean dead or rotten. It has been theorized that Krampus might have its origins in pre-Christian winter solstice rituals, Groups of young men may have dressed up in furs and masks. These rites may have required the participants to run through the village ringing bells, yelling, and making noise to frighten away ghosts or evil spirits that were believed to live higher in the mountains. While writing this script, I found several articles, including ones from respectable sources like the Smithsonian, the Encyclopedia Britannica, and National Geographic that claim Krampus was the son of the Norse goddess Hel. Speaking as someone who has read the Poetic Edda, the Prose Edda, and various works dedicated to the subject of Norse religion and mythology, I am going to call this one into question. None of the articles I consulted mentioned a Norse saga or poem to back up this claim. Trampus does not appear in any known Norse source that I personally am familiar with. Hell, spelled H-E-L, is also not the same as the Christian Hell as in H-E double hockey sticks the hell of Norse mythology was a place for the dead who did not die in battle. While there are sources indicating punishment for the wicked, for the most part, it was a place of gloom, quiet, and stillness. Certainly a far cry from souls being tortured in pits of fire. The goddess Hel is the daughter of Loki and a giantess. She plays a fairly minor role in Norse mythology, and none of the surviving sources I am aware of indicate that she was married or believed to have had children. In my opinion, I doubt Krampus's association with the goddess Hell is an authentic belief and is likely either a late addition to the lore or a misinterpretation. But as Christianity began to spread, it became common for missionaries to associate the gods and goddesses of other cultures with demons and devils. There are a few exceptions, one notable one being the 13th century Icelandic poet Snorri Sturluson. He was the author of the Prose Edda, Snorri wanted to preserve the poetic styles of old, but needed a way to record Norse myths without attracting suspicion from the church. He wrote the Prose Edda using a practice called Ehemerism. This practice is named after an ancient Greek historian named Ephiramis, and interprets mythology as being based on historical events. Over time, these stories were altered and those involved were given divine status. An ancient leader might be elevated to the status of a god. A great hero's deeds might be exaggerated. The king of an opposing nation might be transformed into a monster, and so on. In his introduction to the Prose Edda, Snorri wrote that the Norse gods were really survivors of the Trojan War who fled north. Thanks to their superior weapons, armor, and technology, they were perceived as gods by the people they encountered. This practice of euhemerism delegitimized pagan gods in the minds of Christian authors. But... By presenting ancient religious beliefs as fictional stories instead of sacred events, it did allow for the preservation of knowledge that may have otherwise been lost. If Krampus is based on a pagan practice meant to scare away evil spirits, it is possible that the tradition survived even as Christianity became the dominant religion throughout Europe the church had less influence in remote areas which allowed people to continue these practices with less fear of persecution. It is also possible for a dominant religion to absorb and modify local beliefs. Sometimes, the practitioners of one system of belief will combine their religion with that of a competing one such as the religions of the African diaspora. For example, religions like voodoo combined African beliefs with Roman Catholicism. However, there is a point critics of the theory that Krampus is a pagan figure point out which can't be ignored. Krampus' appearance seems to be more inspired by early depictions of the devil rather than a figure from pagan mythology. The closest comparison is the goat-footed god Pan from Greek myths, though he is not pictured as having a long tail, being black in color, or having a goat head. Whatever the origin, the incorporation of Krampus in Christmas celebrations might date back as far as the 6th or 7th century, but seems to have become more common around the 12th century. The first written records of Krampus don't appear until the late 1500s. His appearance varies, with the black goat-headed demon being the most common. Krampus is usually shown as carrying a birch rod and sometimes has a large sack or a wicker basket strapped to his back. Another common theme in depictions of Krampus is a chain. Sometimes he wears it as a necklace, other times he has them around his wrists. In some parts of Europe, the Christmas season begins in early December, Many people are familiar with St. Nicholas Day on December 6th. This feast celebrates the life of a bishop named St. Nicholas of Myra, who is believed to have lived in Turkey. Many details from his life are unknown, but it is believed that he was born in 270 and died on December 6th, 343. According to tradition, he was known for helping impoverished children. One of the most popular stories involving the works of St. Nicholas was how he helped the three daughters of a man who was too poor to afford a proper dowry. The first night, he tossed a bag of gold coins through a window. The father was able to use this money to help his first daughter get married. After the first daughter's wedding, he did the same thing so the second daughter could get married. When it came time to help the third and final daughter, the father caught Nicholas in the act. The man thanked Nicholas, and the bishop responded by asking him not to tell anyone what happened. Whether or not this event actually occurred is still up for debate, but it may have inspired the tradition of hanging stockings. Another popular belief is that one of St. Nicholas's gifts landed in a stocking that was hanging by a fire to dry. But while December 6th may belong to St. Nicholas, the night of the Fifth belongs to Krampus. This evening is known as Krampus Night. Krampus was believed to wander the streets in search of naughty children. Sometimes he acts alone, and sometimes he travels with St. Nicholas. Good children are rewarded by St. Nick with gifts of fruit, nuts, or candy, while children who misbehave receive a visit from the black goat-headed demon. What awaits if you receive a visit from Krampus? If you're lucky, you'll only get a beating with his birch rod. In other variations, Krampus will stuff you into a sack and throw you in a river, or he might drag you to hell. It might seem odd to pair a demon that terrorizes children with a saint famous for helping the poor, but when you start to learn a little bit about some of the lore surrounding Saint Nicholas, it actually makes sense. Saint Nicholas was known to be an exorcist. One of the deeds attributed to him was felling a tree that had been taken over by demons. This might also be the reason Krampus was often pictured with chains, as this was a symbol of his submission and his servitude to the saint. It is also interesting to note that Krampus was not the only companion of St. Nicholas. St. Nick also has three other companions, Necht Ruprecht, Belsnickel, and Zwarte Piet. All three of these serve a similar purpose to Krampus. Nekt Ruprecht translates to farmhand Rupert. He is often pictured as wearing brown robes. He carries a staff and a bag of ashes. He will ask children if they know their prayers. Those who pass his test will be rewarded with gingerbread, or other treats. Those who don't know their prayers are hit with Rupert's bag or given worthless items like a piece of coal or a rock. Sometimes, he will provide the parents with a stick so they can punish the child on their own. Bellsnickel did not travel with St. Nicholas, but instead traveled alone he appeared as a man dressed in furs. Sometimes, he wore a mask as well. He carried a bag of treats and a hazel switch used for whipping. He would scatter treats on the floor of a house and whip children who lacked discipline and got a little too excited. Zwarte Piet, or Black Pete, is a character from Dutch folklore. He is shown as a dark skinned man with curly hair, bright red lips, and dressed in colorful clothing. Pete was envisioned as a black mower. Due to the controversial nature of characters in Blackface, his name was eventually changed to Sooty Pete, and some actors portraying him will only put a few smudges of black makeup on their face. Originally, he would punish poorly behaved children by taking them back to his shop in Spain and forcing them to work for him. Recent years, though, have seen an attempt to make him a friendlier character. There have been efforts to compare St. Nicholas and his various companions to Odin and the Wild Hunt. I came across a couple of websites, but unfortunately they were written in Dutch, so I was not able to get the full story. The short version is Odin, like Saint Nicholas, travels a land with black-colored companions. In Odin's case, this would be his ravens Hugin and Munin, whose names translate to thought and memory. Odin's ravens would observe humans and, like the companions of St. Nick, would report their behavior back to their master. While it might be an interesting interpretation, it is not a comparison I agree with. Odin did walk among mortals, but he really wasn't associated with children or being a wandering rewarder of good deeds. He was more concerned with obtaining wisdom and tended to get more involved with the affairs of kings and warriors. His ravens also served more as information gatherers as opposed to punishers of wrongdoing. There is one aspect of the connections between the companions of St. Nicholas and ancient Northern European lore that I do think sounds plausible. This theory could explain why these companions are dark-skinned. Dutch author and filmmaker Arnold Jan Sheer spent some time researching the relationship between ancient and modern traditions. He suggested that part of old winter solstice rituals may have involved a shaman dressing up in animal fur, and darkening their skin as a way to portray supernatural entities. The dark appearance of Krampus and other companions could be a carryover from this tradition. Krampus's journey from the holiday fixture he is today has certainly been an interesting one. He was banned by the church but eventually made his way into the religious plays of the time. Images of Krampus proliferated in the late 1800s with the rise of the postcard industry. Sometimes, these cards portrayed Krampus with Saint Nicholas. Other times, he was shown tormenting children. There was a period during the 1930s when Krampus came under attack in Austria when that country was under fascist rule. People who wanted to dress as Krampus were threatened with arrest. The anti-Krampus movement continued at least until the 1950s, when a pamphlet called Krampus is an Evil Man urged people to reject the figure. Dr. Ernst Kottbauer was concerned that images of Krampus would frighten children, and according to a Time Magazine article from 1953, a Vienna Daily, in support of Kottbauer's position, wrote the following. There is too much to fear in the world already. Unemployment, high taxes, not to mention the atom bomb. Let's begin by throwing out Krampus. Right, because in a world where weapons that can destroy an entire city and kill thousands of people at once, really removing a scary demon from Christmas traditions will totally make a difference and sarcasm. But despite these efforts, the tradition endured and Krampus is as popular as ever. One tradition that has spread beyond Europe is the Krampus Run. Krampus Runs might have their origin in an earlier custom called, and I am probably not going to pronounce this correctly, the Tenlafen. This event involved two sides fighting each other with sticks. One side wore beautiful costumes, while the other wore ugly costumes. In addition to dressing up, the participants wore bells. This practice might have its roots in an earlier pagan tradition that may have been intended to banish evil spirits. It is believed the roles were played by women, but eventually it became common for young men to put on this display. Krampus runs involve dozens of or even hundreds of participants dressed up as the Christmas demon himself. Some of these costumes feature intricately carved masks made by highly skilled artists. The Krampuses will parade through the streets, making noise, and interacting with onlookers. In days past, it was common for the Krampus runners to whip people with sticks, but today they are more likely to stop and give high-fives, fist bumps, and take selfies with the observers. Unfortunately, these events do have a dark side as well. Krampus runs have a tendency to involve copious amounts of alcohol, which can lead to drunkenness, arguments, fights, and other acts of disorderly conduct. So there you have it, a look at Krampus. While his origins might be a bit fuzzy, there is no denying how popular he has become. And with that said, whatever holiday you celebrate this time of year, I hope it is a happy one. And if you don't celebrate anything specific, may the closing days of 2022 be good ones. Until next time, Stay strange and stay interesting. You have been listening to a presentation of Point of Insanity Game Studio. Visit us on the web at poigamestudio.com. Follow us on Twitter at poigamestudio. Look us up on Facebook and email us at POI Game Studio at gmail.com.